Payo is a payment platform made by Hospital for Hospital. And their new self-checkout technology, Payo Checkout, is here to help you manage your venue. It lets your customers easily settle the bill at the end of their meal in seconds by scanning a Payo Checkout QR code on their table. Start offering self-checkout for your customers and save an average of 10 minutes per table with Payo Checkout, the fastest way to pay in hospitality venues. Visit payo.com.au. Welcome to the Principle of Hospitality podcast. My name is Kayleen and thank you for joining me today for another episode. Principle of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We are straight-talking, ethically-minded and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. So my guest today is someone incredibly special. I'm actually fangirling a little bit that she even agreed to be on this podcast. (laughs) She has worked with acclaimed chefs such as Wolfgang Puck and Michael Simon. And following her win on Top Chef Season 12, she's also the personal chef for Oprah Winfrey. She's also currently featured on the Netflix series Iron Chef. And I was really lucky to be able to work with her when she visited Melbourne in 2019, where she did a pop-up with Victor Leong at Lee Ho Kwok. Welcome, (laughs) Maylin. Hi. How are you? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. It's really great to have you as a guest. No, it's a pleasure to be here. All right, so let's start. Um, I guess we got to start from the beginning. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how your journey as a chef started? Well, my journey started when I was really, really young. Um, I started working with my father at my aunt's restaurant when I was eight years old. I would basically go into work with him every Saturday and just kind of do like little little tasks like, you know, filling those plastic ramekins with with soy sauce, plum sauce, things like that, um, <laughs> little vegetable prep. And yeah, I kind of uh, did that for up until I was probably 13 years old until my dad left and uh, my parents opened up their own restaurant in my hometown. And so that's, that's kind of how um, everything started. So what is like your favorite childhood memory from like working in the restaurant with your dad and your, and your mom? Well, I think like for me, the, the reason why I kind of decided to do that was because, you know, that was kind of the only way that I could spend time with my dad or my, you know, my parents in general. Um, it was, was just to go to work with them um, every weekend. And it, it was just kind of, it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, just kind of getting in there and, and, and getting your, your hands dirty and, and kind of just being in that environment was really exciting for me. And yeah, it kind of been been hooked since. Was there like a pinnacle moment where you were like, "Yes, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life"? Honestly, like that, that didn't really come to me until later in life. Uh, so I, I think growing up in an Asian household, you're kind of always, you're always told like, "Hey, you cannot, you can't be, you can't do this, you can't do this type of, yeah, type of shit. <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean." <laughs> a nurse like a lawyer something else that's like much more you know you make more money you know you're kind of you're you're not doing manual labor and things like that 
And I think that's 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 what my parents like kind of instilled in me for a really long time. And so I I honestly was in I was in school for for pre nursing, and it like a semester in I was just like I I can't I can't do this like this is not what I want to do. And so I kind of have like a, I had like an existential crisis. I'm like, <laughs> oh God, what am, what am I going to do? So. Uh, one of my friends had suggested I go to culinary school and I thought about it and I was like, really? I'm like, do I want to do that? I'm like, okay, I'll try it out. So I dropped out of school. I enrolled in culinary school and I did the thing and I just realized I, I really love it and I really love to like entertain and I really love to, to feed people and that's kind of what my life has been since. So have your parents been supportive of your decision to go from nursing to the hospitality industry? Um, definitely not in the beginning, um, but I think they've come around now. It was just really funny because like, uh, I remember like my last year or my last semester in culinary school. I, well, my parents didn't know that I had dropped out of school to, to <laughs> school. Um, it wasn't until like randomly came home early one day and saw my knife roll like in the kitchen and she called me out and was like what is this and i'm like um surgical tools <laughs> i was like that's not mine, <laughs> mine. kind of like you know like <laughs> when when you get caught with like weed or something like that <laughs> Your friend like it's not mine like kind of like, that same that same situation happened and so yeah, so that's that's kind of when they figured it out. Um, do you feel that growing up in, especially that growing up in the restaurant environment and things like that, has really inspired your food journey a lot? Like, do you go back to those memories from when you were cooking with your dad, like when you're cooking now? Oh, uh, ab- absolutely. I think that a lot of the cooking that I do is based on nostalgia and just kind of cooking from memory and and like taste memory. I think a lot of people just appreciate that. You know, it's it's what's authentic to me, and um, I, I really love just kind of hitting all those marks um, when I, you know, when I create dishes and, and things like that. So I'm guessing, like, from this, like, I can tell that you're, like, a true believer in following your, your passion, like, the love that you have for cooking. Do you have any tips on people who are, like, in other industries who actually want to switch over to hospitality and, like, you know, it's such a big leap of faith because obviously, you know, the pandemic has changed our industry so much over the last two years. Obviously, it, I think it makes also like speaking from personal experience. I also changed industries when I was 25. So like, do you have any tips or like advice to anyone who wants to take that leap? Well, I think it's it really starts with you. You really have to love this industry and and what you do in order to really succeed because you know it is a lot of hard work and it's a lot of long grueling hours and you really do have to love it in order you know in order for you to kind of you know stay in the industry it's it's really hard to say and obviously like not you don't necessarily have to work in a restaurant you know there's there's other facets of the industry but i would say if you want to you know open up a restaurant and and kind of go that route it, it does take a lot of a lot of hard work and it's, it's really intense. It's grueling. <laughs> I met someone who um, who switched over to be in the uh, hospitality industry from being a lawyer. 
And that was, I mean, that's, that's a really interesting. That's a big jump. Yeah. It's a huge jump. And especially like, I mean, you know, she's, she's my age as well. So it's kind of like, oh wow. You know, like you're, you're really like doing it. Like, yeah, you really like thought this through kind of thing, you know, just kind of having that type of conversation. Like, do you really want to do this? Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, being a lawyer is also, I mean, depending on what type of law that you do, like that's, that's also really they're long and grueling hours. It's, it's just, it's different. It's a different type of grind. What would you like tell someone who actually is like a young person into the industry? Like, what would you tell them about our industry that would, so-called inspire them to want to push. I mean, like there's so much hardship that you go through as a chef, right? You work in different kitchens. You work with really eccentric chefs of all sorts. What is your advice to like chefs who are going through like those kind of hardships, you know, starting out in the industry? Hmm. Well, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> just keep pushing. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Like you, you have to push. Like it's, it is, it's, it's very hard. And I, I just remember like type of, it's a different type of grind. Like, you know, starting out, like working for my family in their restaurants, like obviously they're not going to, you know, they're not going to really push me that hard. Right. Like it's yeah. pushing me to do the job, but it's not like, da, 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 like you need to get done, otherwise you're out of here kind of type of deal. Not to say like the, the industry has changed a lot in the last few years. And I really appreciate that because you know, you kind of you have to, you know, change with the times and, and kind of, um, you know, you have to treat people better than than how, you know, we were treated uh, way back when, like back in the day. Um, yes. It's, it's different now, but going back to that, like, yeah, you just have to have, you have to have the mental bandwidth to, to <laughs> really, the really nature of, of this industry. <laughs> So what do you think was your hardest moment in your career up to this point? Oh, the hardest moment? I mean, there, there are many. There are, there are a lot of crazy memories. You know, I've definitely had, like, shit thrown at me. And, uh, you know, like, you know, being, being told, like, you know, you can't change something. Like, this is my restaurant. Like, you can't do this. Like, I mean, you go through all of it, right? But, like, those are learning experiences. And, like, I think that for me, being pushed to that level, like, being pushed like that, I think it, it kind of, it made me work harder and it made me want to do better for myself and prove those people wrong that I can, like, that I could withstand, like, whatever you throw at. So, like, obviously you've worked some for some really amazing chefs, so how did you make the decision to go and work for these particular chefs that you, like, you know, Wolfgang Park and, like, Michael Simon, and then later on with, like, Michael Voltaggio and Brian Voltaggio? Like, how did that, how did you decide to make those choices to go into those restaurants? Well, I think for me, you know, I started, Michael, well, working for Michael Simon was actually my first professional restaurant job. And that was actually right out of culinary school. And he actually uh, was opening up a restaurant in Detroit, where I'm from. I decided to just take the leap and, and apply for the job, even though it was like super green and really had no idea on how to open up a restaurant, things like that. So it was a really great learning experience for me. But how I decided to work for the chefs that I've worked for is really just 
researching their culinary style and, and what really interests me. Like, you know, obviously Michael Simon being on TV, you know, you get to see the food that he creates on television, on Iron Chef, things like that. And so, you know, I was really drawn to that. You know, the same thing for all the other chefs that I've worked for is, you know, I think that they create like really, really amazing, interesting food. Um, and I really want to learn more about it. And so I really, you know, put myself in there and kind of immerse myself in try to learn as, as much as I could. I think the other question that I, th- I think might be a, a lot on people's minds is that, is it difficult to get into kitchens like that, that have such ha- like a great reputation in the industry? You know, we hear all these horror stories of apprentices sleeping outside the restaurants in France begging for like a dishwasher job. Like, did you feel that it was difficult to actually get in, actually get a job in these restaurants? You know, I think for a restaurant opening, for a lot of restaurant openings, it's 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 really hard because, you know, you're kind of going through the construction of everything. And so you don't really necessarily, a lot of places don't have, oh, hey, you know, come in for a stage. Like, where are you staging? You're not staging in a in an open kitchen with construction and, like, wires hanging out everywhere, right? So, like, you're kind of, they're also taking the leap of faith on you and kind of trying you out. Because, I mean, even so, like, you know, opening up a new restaurant, you're going to go through some turnover. And I think they kind of allot for that. So for me, like as much as a leap of faith that I was taking on them, they were taking on me as well. So I kind of, you know, just kind of got hired on the spot. And, you know, I, I, I did see a lot of turnover um, in the restaurant. And like, you know, if it's not, it's not necessarily for that, for, you know, the person who applied, like, you know, you're free to leave. And yeah, it, it is what it is. So on that note, do you think trials and stages are important? I, I personally think so, definitely. I think it's really important to, um, to figure out what you want as a cook. Like you have to want to learn what the chef is teaching. Yeah. And you have to really be interested and in the food, in the restaurant, like everything, every aspect of, of the entire restaurant. Um, the concept and everything. I, I really do think it's important for, for you know, young cooks to stage and to realize, like, is, is this the right environment for me? Is this the right restaurant for me? You know, as a young chef starting out, you know, you see a lot of people who, like, jump from restaurant to restaurant, going doing three-month stints at all these really great restaurants. And then you obviously have the bunch of chefs who actually stay in one place for a long time. Like, which of these do you think it's, like, better or holds more importance as a, as a growing chef in the industry is jumping around many great restaurants a good thing or would you say that you should actually stay in one place for a certain amount of time well I think there's like pros and cons with each which each one right so I think for me I think it's really important to jump around obviously don't jump around like three months here, three months here, six months here, six months there. I think that you should really put in like a year or two at each job and kind of, you know, continue on that route. I think it's really important to, you know, put in your time and, and to really, um, to, you know, actually immerse yourself because, you know, I, I see a lot of cooks these days, they, they kind of like stay at one job for like three months or six months. And like, what are you actually learning in that time? Not really, you know, that much. Like, I think it's really important for you to like stay at a job for a year or two and, and really just, kind of immerse yourself and learn every single station that that restaurant has to offer, you know, not just work in one station and be like, you know, that's it. Like, you know, I got it. I'm going to go jump yeah. to another job now. So yeah, that's, that's really kind of my take on, 
on the whole thing. Like I, I, I worked at a, a bunch of different restaurants and I think it's really important to learn different styles and, and different cuisines and, and kind of be more, just to be a, a more well-rounded cook. Because, you know, the, the, other, the con is like, if you work at one restaurant for a really long time, I feel like that's kind of all you know. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, if you want to learn more, you kind of have to jump around it and kind of immerse yourself in that way. So do you have a favorite like memory from your jobs at all these restaurants or like something that you think back on fondly when you think back on all your, your experiences as you know, on your journey as a chef? You know, honestly, I think the, the most important part of, of my journey and working in a lot of different restaurants was really the, the relationships that I've cultivated and, and kept. Like I've met so many great chefs and, and cooks that I, you know, I still connect with till today. And, you know, just to see where they are in their careers is, is inspirational for me. Like last week or this past weekend, I was just uh, in Chicago for the James Beard Awards and it's like seeing my friends that I, um, that I work with back when I was in Chicago and they're up for, you know, outstanding restaurant tours and it's like you know mind-blowing amazing like i'm you know it's just so happy for everybody who was nominated and who won and i mean it's just it's such a joy so on that note after everything that you've been through what made you want to join top chef uh, well i mean that's that's a funny story in it. <laughs> like um obviously like my two of my old bosses had done the show and one of them had won their brothers by the way (laughs) but honestly I never thought that I wanted to do that and you know up until I actually got on the show I still was like in disbelief like I can't believe I'm doing this um and it really wasn't like hey I like applied to be on there like someone one of my friends had put me on the um the list for or to be an applicant and you know she was just kind of like hey show up for this interview and I'm like I don't I don't want to do that like (laughs) kind of like just just go for it like it's fine like you know it's it's a strenuous interview process anyway so it's like if you don't make it to the next round like who cares it's fine you know like okay sure whatever you know you kind of go to the interview they kind of ask you like a bunch of questions like have you done food you know, have you done any other competition shows? And, um, you know, why do you want to do this? And, you know, I was just kind of like winging it, right? And um, I was, I, I made it to the second interview and then so on and so forth. And it kind of just started to happen. And, and uh, you know, one day I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to tell Michael. And I'm like, oh my God, how is he going to take this, right? Like, either you're you know, either he's <laughs> super gung ho about it or either he's going to be like, no, absolutely not. Um, but you know, he, you know, when I, when I broke it down for him, he was just really, he was actually, he was stunned. He was like, Oh my God, really? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, okay, yeah, for, for sure. 100%. Like I will totally support that. And, um, you know, that, that, that's how that journey kind of started. And, um, having like a mentor been on the show and, and, and done it before, I think it kind of gave me a better peace of mind on what I need to do and things like that. So I was, I was really appreciative of that. So would you say that whatever we watch on Top Chef is reflective of what is actually happening 
during the competition? Or do you think that it's... You know how some reality TV shows are only edited for drama? I think it's always... It's like something I've always been curious about. Like, do you feel like as a chef, you were well represented on the show? I personally think I was. Um, I mean, some people might disagree, but I think that you know, what was shown was really true to who I am as a person. You know, obviously I, there were probably a lot more fucks that were thrown around, but obviously, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you're kind of, you're in it and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty intense and like what the time is, is what the time actually is. It's like, you know, once that timer starts, like you're, you're like on the go. Like it's, it's really, really intense. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done. To this day, so what was what do you think was the most difficult challenge for you during your season? Oh my god, any other quick fires, honestly. <laughs> like, I, like, I like to think that I think fast and on my feet, but like I'm a planner, and so like I'm always like, oh my god, what am I gonna do? Like, the, you know, like you just you just never know because it, it's all about ingenuity, you know, like. It's, it's all about thinking on your feet and like, what can I do? And you really do have to follow the rules of the challenge really, really carefully because that's, that's really what you're, you're, you're judged on other than obviously your food being delicious, but um, you really have to, to really read those rules and like listen to the challenge. <laughs> do you guys get to taste each other's food? Um, afterwards. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, during the cook, like, I didn't necessarily, like, I'm going over to someone else's station and be like, hey, what are you making? You know, like, you didn't have time for that. <laughs> um, but, you know, after, like, let's say, like, let's say for a quick fire, like, if when you're, basically when you're done and you're judged and stuff, like, we'll kind of, like, go around to each, to each other's station, like, oh, hey, what'd you make? Like, and, you know, you just taste whatever components that are left. Um, kind of hanging around on the station. But yeah, that's that's pretty much how it was. And, and you really don't know like what you're up against. You know, you're just really listening to, you know, the critiques and like, and that's kind of how it's, how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> so now that you've been on Iron Chef America as well, and, you know, it's currently streaming on Netflix, I'm actually really excited to watch your episode. What is the difference between the two? Like, did you think one was more difficult than the other? No, I don't think so. I, I mean, they're both difficult in different ways. So, um, but I think like for, for Iron Chef, it's insane because you're making five dishes in one hour. <laughs> in one hour. Like one hour is insane. To cook five different things, but not only just five dishes, you're cooking five dishes, but times five. For, I'm, I'm sorry, no, times six for like for six because you're cooking for five people, and then you ha you need to have an extra dish for um for like the photography and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's a lot, and so I mean, obviously you have like you know help. You know, it was like, so Gregory and I, Gregory Gorday and I were co-challengers and we had a sous chef, uh, Jeremy Ford, who was also on Top Chef as well. You know, it was, it was us as a team. And like, even that is just like, you know, we've done like so much competition and, and like, that was grueling for us. Like, we were just like, oh my God, it's 
it's finally over. Like, this is so crazy. <laughs> did this. Yeah, it's just, it's different. It's a different type of art. So that, I mean, like, there's so many different, aside from reality TV competitions, there are so many culinary competitions around the world, from San Pellegrino to the Bocus d'Or and all these other little competitions going on. Do you feel that it's important for a chef to actually experience what it's like to be in a part of these competitions? Huh. Um, you know, I think that, you know, the, the coveted Bocus d'Or is like, I mean, it's like the one and only like chef competition that's like oh my god you know like it's well it's it's just so well respected around the world you know and it's to be included in that is is an amazing accomplishment and experience and it's um and it's own right and so i think that you can say the same thing for iron chef and top chef like those are two competitions that like they're really well respected within the chef community because it is like very, it's authentic, you know, it's like, just a break in the podcast to let you know that fine food Australia returns this September to Melbourne for nearly four decades. Fine food has been the leading trade event for all food from retail to hospitality, manufacturing to bakery. Visiting fine food will be the recipe to fast track your business for commercial success. Just a reminder that this is a free event to attend. So make sure you register at finefoodaustralia.com.au. Now back to the podcast. It is what it is. I, I don't know if you know by now, but like I am like a huge fan of Top Chef. I think it was probably the reality show that made me actually want to join trade school. It just seems so real to me. And I guess like talking to you now and like listening to, you know, your experiences on the show, it actually makes makes me feel validated that that's real, you know, and those experiences that those chefs were going through, it's all, you know, you actually need to be a qualified chef to be on that show. And yeah, it just, it's, it's just so cool. <laughs> I wish I had Top Chef like Australia. Oh, there isn't? <laughs> no. <laughs> I feel like franchises that like, I don't know, you kind of like lose count. I mean, Top Chef France is like a huge thing. Is there a Top Chef France? I know it's a Canada one. There's Canada, there's Mexico, there's 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 a lot. There's Thailand. I'm surprised there's not one in Australia. Soon, maybe. Who knows? Any? I mean, like, I think in the current season, there's actually a chef that used to work at Mateo's in um in in Australia. Uh, in Australia, I think his name is Buddha. Buddha Lo. Oh, yes, yes, he just won. Oh, did you just spoil it for everyone? Oh my god. <laughs> Right. Nah, it's been, I don't know. The thing is that it's been out for, I don't know. I don't know when people watch this. I mean, I already finished it, but oh well, mate. It's okay. Now you know. Congrats, Buddha. <laughs> I mean, I never chance to taste his food, but um, his food looks amazing. Yeah, it does. It was funny because when I saw him on the show, I was like, that guy looks awfully familiar and then I was and then I showed Adam I was like do you know this guy and he was like that's Buddha he's super for Mateos and I was like oh my god that is so cool oh my gosh that's amazing yeah um so what have you been up to now that all you know Top Chef and like Iron Chef are now obviously they finished filming they're over 
right now. So what have you been currently up to? Um, I heard there's something to do with fried chicken. Oh, yeah. I um, actually opened up a, a fast casual fried chicken restaurant um, last, like, just a little over a year ago. It's just, like, right in the middle of, like, the pandemic. And it was, Why fried chicken, though? Why fried chicken? <laughs> Why fried chicken's delicious, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I just, it's, it's kind of one of those things that I've always wanted to do. Um, I love fried chicken, and I, you know, I think Los Angeles in its in itself is just obsessed with fried chicken, and so why not just kind of do my own take on, on fried chicken? So, what is your secret to your fried chicken? I mean, not I mean, you don't have to give away your recipe, but <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, I mean, the chicken, you know, obviously the the first part of it is is using really good quality chicken. Um, I'm using thighs for the chicken sandwich and chicken tenders, like by the each. And so that's first and foremost, number one, like where you source your chicken, where you're getting your chicken from, that's number one. And then we actually brine all of our chicken. So like our, our sandwich or the thigh meat, it actually gets brined overnight in a yeah. buttermilk. Um, and then, you know, just like to tenderize it and just to keep everything moist. And it kind of goes through a dredge, uh, a dredging process. So it gets uh, dredged in potato starch, cornstarch, AP flour, and plain black pepper. And um, it gets dipped into, you know, like an egg and buttermilk mixture. And then into the dredge again. So you kind of get like those nice flaky, like... You're making me hungry. Corn flaky um, flakes that, you know, that you get when you um, fry the chicken. The secret really is like that it gets a double fry and that's what really retains its crunchiness. And so right when it comes out of the fryer, we dip it in our chili oil or yeah. um, our house chili oil and it gets seasoned in literally 30 different spices in array of different ones. Like we have a no heat. So if you don't want any heat, any spice at all, it doesn't get, it doesn't get dipped in the chili oil obviously. And yeah. then it just gets uh, seasoned with the dry mix of the different seasonings that we have. And then we have a mild and then a medium, a hot and an extreme. So it kind of just goes up from there. Extreme? So, like, extreme is pretty intense. Like it has Carolina Reapers in there. So like, Oh my like, God. World. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure for like that batch of spice, only one Reaper goes into that whole thing. So it's really funny. I think the hottest I can go is just a hot, and that's like really intense for me. Luckily, it doesn't it doesn't last too long. Like it doesn't linger. <laughs> it's not a lingerer, but I'm like I'm like thinking about it. I'm like sweating. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you serve anything else aside from fried chicken? Like, do you have any cool sides and stuff in the in the restaurant? Uh, we you know we sell fries. We have a, a, raise, a array of different sauces. Uh, we have our signature Daybird sauce. We have our hot honey, and we have a habanero ranch. Um, we also have my house my house mix of uh, milk tea, Hong Kong milk tea, uh, a lemonade of the day, as well as a, a slushy of the day. So that's kind of really it. Like that's our yeah, you know, that's just kind of the the thing. What is a Daybird sauce? So it's kind of like my version of a comeback sauce. If you're familiar, 
you know, it's ketchup mayo based and then a, a array of different spices and sauces. Yeah. So how many chickens do you go through like a day? I mean, it, it ranges from, from day to day, but I mean, the most chicken, the most chicken sandwiches we've ever sold is probably about 300. Wow. That's really, that's really good. It's a lot of chicken. A lot you- of lives. <laughs> do you open the the whole day or is it just open from a certain period of time of the day we're open from uh noon to 6 30 p.m every single day so it's more of like a midday lunch type of spot type of spot yeah so aside from cooking like we all know that you're a great chef and you've done so many incredible things in your career like do you have any other hobbies aside from cooking no nah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like, I like, I, I hate that question because it's like, that's, I, I love cooking. Like if I'm not cooking in the restaurant setting, like I invite people over my house and I love entertaining, love hanging out. Yeah. that's. So if I were to come, no, not at all. <laughs> so if yeah. say we, if, <laughs> if Sean and I were invited, like if you invited Sean and I over to your house for dinner, what could we expect from you? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out all the spot all all the stuff for sure. Like I love um, like when I have friends over, depending on how many friends. Like I love doing like hot pot. I love doing like shampoo. Oh, I love hot pot. Yeah, it's the best. It's and, like the best. I think it's great for like entertaining. It's really immersive, and you just have fun with it. You know? Yeah. A bunch of different toppings. Make your your own sauces, things like that. It's just super fun. Um, but I think that that's one. I love making like um, doing barbecues, like grilling uh, outside. Just, yes. Just having fun, like not too not too fruit fruit. Like I'm not gonna pull out like make you a <laughs> or anything like that. It's just gonna it's just gonna be fun and, and like, yeah, just good delicious food. That's really it. So, what kind of food do you like to eat on a regular basis? Like, what is your go to food? My go-to food. Um, I love, I love pizza. Honestly, um, I love anything rice. I know. I'm like, rice is life. Rice is life. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I love anything rice. Anything like that has to do with rice. I'm like into it. I love like clay pot rice. Like that's probably like the one thing I probably make for myself like all the time at home because it's just yeah. super easy. You know, like it's easy, like you can throw anything in there. Like I always kind of do a, like last night I actually made one and I had some uh, lobster and king crab leftover from like, from dinner, like dinner leftovers I had like a few nights ago. That's um, so fancy. I know I had dinner with a friend and he he ordered lobster and king crab. So he was like insistent that I take it home and I don't take leftovers home. I normally don't even eat leftovers, honestly. Because I never get to it. Um, yeah. But I had that leftover. And I had um, an ear of corn, some uh, some fava beans. And so, like, I kind of just mixed all of that together and put it on top of the rice. And that was, like, that was it. That was, like, delicious dinner. Oh, my God. It sounds so good. <laughs> we need to fly to L.A. soon, I think. Come find you. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, come. Yeah, dude. Come. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> Always like you know you've you've obviously like um you've obviously been to melbourne like you know 2019 this is like 
pre-pandemic, the days when it was like good. What did you What did you like most about Australia? Honestly, what wasn't to like? What wasn't there to like? I thought. I mean, I think that like I'm I'm really mad at myself for taking that long to actually get to Australia. Um, I just the food scene alone, I thought was like fantastic. I was just, I think just like looking around and seeing everything and like kind of being in that environment, I was just like in awe. Like there was just so many amazing things to do. The weather was fantastic. I think it really, it reminded me a lot of LA for some reason. Um, and I think the culture really had um, a lot to do with it. Just kind of like, you know, the coffee scene, the cafe scene and like, um, all the different, yeah, just all the different areas, like just kind of reminded me of different, you know, neighborhoods in LA. Anything um, notable that you ate when you were here that, you know, you like, you know, think about fondly? Oh my God. Loon, I constantly <laughs> think about. I constantly think about Loon. And like, to this day, it's the best croissant I've ever had in my entire life. And... I've eaten a lot of croissants. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, so I'm telling you that that ham and cre- that ham and cheese croissant. Oh my god, ham and cheese! Amazing. It's unreal. Oh my god! Like thinking about it right now, I'm like salivating. <laughs> what do you make a good croissant? Oh, the layers, the layers. That's I mean, that's really it. Like. The layers, the amount of, I think like the sweetness really has something to do with it too. Like I think it, it has to be properly like sweet and savory at the same time. But also I think it's kind of retaining like that, that nice crunch on the outside. And like if it doesn't get all over you, it's a <laughs> <laughs> If you have like croissant bits all over yourself, like, you're not doing it right. You're not, you're not, you're not doing it. I have a super controversial question for you, actually, that I asked my previous guest before. It's like the question that I think plagues a lot of people's minds sometimes. Does pineapple belong on pizza? One thousand percent. Thousand percent. I'm a pineapple on pizza person. Like my go-to is like pineapple pepperoni and jalapenos and then yum once i get that slice i'm like dousing it with uh habanero (laughs) like like fermented habanero sauce like it's insanely delicious like it's it sounds like a great combo god it's so good because like (laughs) tropical you kind of you know like i can deal without the meat really but like pineapple and jalapeno like pineapples and spice or just like a classic combination. And it can't be I too totally soft. agree. Not yeah. too much for tomato sauce. Like, you know, not really about that. It's all about the pineapple for sure. It's I all about that. the pineapple. I hate that. I and know. I don't understand. <laughs> they told me so hard because they're like, no, 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 no. No. I love pineapple on pizza. Pineapple on pizza forever. And Adam De Silva also agreed with that. He was like, pineapple on pizza is the best. Like, why do people hate it so much? I don't understand. It really is the best. Like, I can't, can't do it. Yes. Else. Sweet, savory. It's like the perfect combination on pizza. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Are you intending to visit 
us in Melbourne anytime soon or in Australia anytime soon? Um, not this year, but definitely planning. <laughs> I'm definitely planning on it next year. I love Australia so much. I love I love Australia so much that like after I got back from Australia, my boyfriend um, needed to take vacation. He was asking me where he should go, and I totally I, I totally went to Australia. I'm not joking. <laughs> I a list of like different places I needed to go, and he did it all. It was insane. Oh my god. He did it solo, you know, and like that's I mean eating solo is like hard too, you know, like especially when you want to go to all these different restaurants and like trying to, you know, consume as much as you can. Yeah. And he totally so, agrees with me that loon is like that that loon ham and cheese croissant is like the best he's ever had. It's awesome. So do you have any exciting projects coming up in the next couple of months? Um currently I'm actually just doing a bunch of uh little dinners with with my friends um, all around the, the country. And that's, that's kind of where my schedule is at right now. Um, I'm going <laughs> to on Monday to cook with my friend Brady at his uh, restaurant that he just opened. Um, yep. And he actually just got a uh, best new restaurant in, um, in Rob report. So like, I'm really proud of him for, for achieving that. And it's, it's such a great restaurant. Like it's fantastic. And if you're ever like in Seattle, you need to go. And then I'm I'm doing like a little uh, daybird pop up with my with my buddy in uh, in Washington D.C. at his restaurant um, Albie in Yellow. Do you guys have a yellow in Australia? Um, <laughs> I know all about that. <laughs> Fred, I know all about that. Um, um, also, yeah, just just cooking with friends and 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 having a good time while doing it. That's amazing. Thank you so much for spending this these well, this last hour with like chatting with me. Like it honestly, I I have to say, like, you are such an inspiration to me as a chef. Cause I love the way you cook. I love the way that you work. And um, you know, I think like if anyone wants to see what a absolute weapon Maylin is, they need to watch season twelve of Top Chef because she absolutely killed it. Thank you so, so much for agreeing to be a part of this podcast. No, it was really my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Yeah, we should do it again. And, you know, maybe down the track, if you ever are in um, Melbourne again, we can actually sit down in the studio and, you know, eat pizza, pizza with uh, pineapple on it and record another podcast. Anything's I possible. 1,000% down. All right. So anyway, thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Principles of Hospitality. So please remember to comment, like, and share this episode with your friends. And I look forward to my next episode with you soon. Until then, everyone, take care and stay safe. Payo is a payment platform made by Hospo for Hospo. And their new self-checkout technology, Payo Checkout, is here to help you manage your venue. It lets your customers easily settle the bill at the end of their meal in seconds by scanning a Payo Checkout QR code on their table. No apps, no downloads required. Give your customers the convenience of lightning-fast contactless payments and the option to split the bill however they like. Get more tips with Payo Checkout's integrated tipping system and get paid upfront once your customers have confirmed their payment. 
start offering self-checkout for your customers and save an average of 10 minutes per table with Payo Checkout, the fastest way to pay in hospitality venues. Setting up Payo Checkout is seamless and pain-free. Visit payo.com.au.